0: Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you're here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus.
1: It is great to be here, and, and Pastor, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and, and be able to uh, share a short message on, on gratefulness. And uh, most of you I've, I've met, some of you haven't. My name's Robert Berry. Of course, my wife, Anna. And... Uh, It is a a privilege to be here for sure. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, a grateful heart that gets God's attention. The passage we're going to look at is Luke chapter 17. And if you want to turn there briefly, maybe on the screen behind me, Luke chapter 17, I'm going to read, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he, talking about Jesus, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. When Jesus Then Jesus answered, Were are not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day you've given us. And, and the opportunity to be here and, and just open our hearts this morning to your word. And, and uh, thank you so much for Pastor and this church and the ministry. Continue to bless. And thank you for our worship team. In Jesus' name, amen. Looking back at, at verse 18 here, Jesus kind of sums it up. He said, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? God makes a big deal out of thankfulness. And a lot of people don't hear, I've never heard a lot of sermons, maybe you haven't either, about Jesus and, and maybe the, the thankful person he was. A lot of times we hear of his sufferings, we hear of the things, uh, different things about his life, how he healed people, did these miracles. But I really believe that that Jesus was actually a thankful person. And as you look at his life and, and uh, the, his ministry, and, and you'll notice that especially in meal times, it, it'll say something like, and after he gave thanks, he did this. And after he gave thanks, Jesus did this, and other parts of the gospel. And after, so I b- really believe that Jesus was also a thankful person. And a lot of times we think he was a man of sorrows. He may have been a man of sorrows because of the burden he carried, but he's also a thankful person. And then the apostle Paul, he wrote a, a majority of the New Testament. But he also expressed the importance of thankfulness in Ephesians chapter 5. And he pretty much sums it up as, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be characterized by thankfulness in our lives and in our, our, our daily lives. And, and I guess our attitude, you could say, our attitude of thankfulness. Then King David, if uh, in the Old Testament, he wrote a lot of the Psalms. And the Psalms expressed thankfulness to God. And at one point... Uh, the people of Israel uh, were gathering materials to build the temple and and that sort of thing. And and after gathering all these things, gold and and whatever materials they had for the temple at the time, that temple dedication, uh, David gave a prayer for that prayer of dedication. He said this interesting phrase, he said, uh, praying to God, he said, for all things come from you. And from, your, and from your hand we have given you." So in other words, David was acknowledging that everything the people had, that they were giving back to the building of the temple actually came from God. And the same is true for us. Everything that we have today didn't come from us. You say, well, we worked hard for that. Well, how did you have the strength to work hard for that? Everything we have today is, is still from God, and what we give back to God really came from God anyway. Everything that we have came from God. And David writing a lot of psalms about the thankfulness and and the provision of God in our lives. And going on, the word grateful just basically means appreciative of of benefits received. And uh, maybe you've heard someone uh, talk about someone, maybe they gave them something that person didn't thank them. They say, that person's just an ingrate. Well, that's just the opposite. Someone who's not thankful sometimes can be called an ingrate. And we don't use that word probably too much today, but... um, Looking back at our, our passage, um, it, it's interesting before I go there, that one of the most given commands in the Bible is is fear not. Someone that had some time counted those and said, Oh, there's three hundred and sixty-five or three hundred and sixty-six fear nots in the Bible. You know, oh one for each day. Well, interestingly, is that if that's the most given command, the second most given command in the Bible is to give thanks. And to to fear not and to give thanks. And and Paul sums both of those up in one verse in Philippians. And he says this in Philippians 4, 6. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So be anxious, don't be fearful, but also give thanks. So those two things are brought, brought together in, in that verse. Our passage here in 17 and 18 let me just read it to you again. Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? The one, the one man whose grateful heart got the attention of God was just one out of, out of these 10 lepers that were healed. As we look at this passage, you may identify yourself in, in one of these phases we're gonna look at, one of these areas of life. And the first one we're gonna look at is, is the path to a grateful heart. The path to a grateful heart. In verse 11 it says, On the way to Jerusalem he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus master have mercy on us. When he saw them he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, there's something that these, these lepers understood about themselves. They were in a condition, I, I don't know how familiar you are with leprosy. I'm not super familiar with it, but it was a bad and it was contagious disease that really could affect your body in a lot of odd ways. And thankfully, today, if you're treated, leprosy is not, not a problem. And, uh, but they were cast out of society once you were a leprous. And so Jesus is walking along this village, on, on his way to this village, passes this group of 10 lepers have this this leprosy separated from their family, separated from their village, and a couple things they had to do. They had to shave their head and some other things. That, And then if, if you were being approached by someone as a leper, you had to cover your mouth and then tell everybody, unclean, unclean, to, to get, kind of give a warning so nobody would come close to you. So these people were, these 10 men that had leprosy, were outside, cast out of their village. They couldn't go to church, couldn't go, well, it wasn't church, but couldn't go to worship with their families at the time. So here they were outside and alone, and they crossed paths with, with Jesus. But they understood their condition, and they had heard about Jesus. They heard Jesus had healed people. So they're outside this village. Jesus comes walking along, and they hear that Jesus is coming. They have hope. They think, hey, wait a minute, this is Jesus? He could probably do something for us if anybody could do something for us. So they cry out and ask for help. And let's look at what Jesus does here. He, it's interesting. He didn't just say, oh, there's 10 lepers. Let me heal you. Be healed. He didn't do that. He refers them back to something that in the Old Testament in Leviticus 13 and 14, a couple chapters, and we won't go there and look at that. But basically, if you feel like you're healed of leprosy, you're supposed to go show yourself to the priest. And so that's why he tells them, go show yourselves to the priests. On their way there, they realize, hey, this leprosy's gone. Then one of them turns around and comes back to Jesus. The... uh, The physical healings we read about in, in the New Testament and in Jesus, those were, I guess you could say, pictures of, of what Jesus could do visibly. When uh, there's a paralytic in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus heals and, and he's somebody that can't walk. And before that, he says, your sins be forgiven. Well, we can't see that, we can't visibly see that. So the, the New Testament healings a lot of times were done to physically demonstrate what God can do in the physical world, he could also do in the spiritual world in the invisible realm. So he's healing these people and this one leper, I believe, understands that, understands that he didn't just heal my leprosy, this person, Jesus Christ, can also heal my whole life, basically. And so he, he responds to that and, and goes back to that. Secondly, I want to look at the response of a grateful heart. And if, and if we're going to have a grateful heart that grabs God's attention, this is what we want to look at this morning. A couple of things that he did. Verse 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he, had, he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. This one man grabbed the attention of Jesus enough to say, hey, where's the others? Why, why, did, why were you the only one that came back? And says, look at what he did. Basically, you would say these three things. This, this one man that turned around that was thankful out of these nine people He saw Jesus as, as the person, the, the solution to his life was not a religion, was not an institution, wasn't a church. It was in the person of Jesus Christ. And he, he made a U-turn and said, I'm going to go back and talk to Jesus. So the first thing, if we're going to have a heart that's grateful for God is, is to simply realize our solution is in the person of Jesus Christ, not the things we may think they are. We may, we may try other things, but actually the solution is in Christ. Second thing he, he, he did here is look at, uh, he said, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And the second thing he did, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. He surrendered his life. He surrendered himself to Jesus Christ. He fell down at, at Christ and he, and, he, and he acknowledged him as Lord. It's easy and it's popular. I, I think it's probably more popular in today's culture to say, yes, Jesus is my Savior, but it's hard to, to apply the lordship of Jesus Christ, but he's Savior and Lord. Yeah. And maybe, and this is a very simple illustration, but, but you could say well as maybe this, this leper saw himself outside of the village that he was supposed to be in, and here was Jesus the king, he has this kingdom, and he saw himself as a beggar outside of the village, but he had an invitation to come to the kingdom of a good king, and all he had to do was choose to go. See, God doesn't, God doesn't make us surrender to him. That's our choice. It's totally up to us. There's no, he doesn't beat us over the head and say, if you don't do this, this. And, no, he gives us the option to. So he saw himself as this beggar. Hey, I can go live in that kingdom. And he throws himself at the feet of Christ saying, I acknowledge you as the king of my life. Here I am. I'm, I want to submit to you and, and what you want me to do. Knowing it was a better thing, a better condition than where he was. So he surrendered his, his life to Christ. Last thing he did, he, he, you could tell he wasn't ashamed. He said it out loud, praising God, coming back to Jesus. He, he surrendered it, but he gave thanks. He, um, he had a deep love and respect for Christ. I think more than just for healing his leprosy, but for healing his life. Let's look at um, that last thing he said, and he fell to his, and his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And he's probably thinking in his head, if he can heal my leprosy, he can also forgive my sins. Then the third thing we're gonna look at is, is, next area of our life is, is the result of a grateful heart. In verse 17 and 19, then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole." You ever wonder about the the other nine lepers that were healed? They didn't turn, I don't know what happened to them. Maybe they they were so excited they went home to their families, which that's a legitimate thing to do. Maybe they went to go show their priest. Hey, look what happened to me. It doesn't say. But the one that came back, he got to experience something the other nine did not experience by going back to Jesus. And let's look at what that was. And these are, this is the response or the, the results of a grateful heart. And he says in, in verse nine, Jesus said, or 19, he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's interesting. He was already healed of leprosy. So what did Jesus mean? Your faith has made you well. I think he made him well in the sense that he forgave his sins. And this Samaritan saw him, for someone who could make him whole again. So here he was, the result of a grateful heart made him whole that the other nine didn't get to experience. And when we have a grateful heart that that gets God's attention, we can confidently approach God. So remember, he was a leper outside of a village, yelling from a distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now he was able to come up, Bow down at the feet of Jesus and be close to him. And so, part of the result of a a grateful heart for God is is also you can approach God. And he approached him confidently. Funny thing, if you see me up here kind of going back and forth, I should be wearing glasses. And <laughs> I have to stop and focus my eyes. And uh, a pastor's wife, Jane, asked me, when was the last time you did this? And I, I uh, thought, you know, it's been a while. But I have not uh, spoken since I've had to wear glasses. And uh, I forgot my glasses today. And uh, so if you see me going back and forth, that's what it is. I'm trying to refocus my eyes. But uh So the results of a grateful heart, first of all, you're made whole. Secondly, you're able to approach God in a close way that you've never done before. And the third thing is that you can hear God when he speaks. Because he was able to come back, and what he said was simple. He said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. But the other nine did not get to hear that. So as a result of his grateful heart, his surrender to God, he made himself close to God to the point where he could hear God when he spoke. And when we have grateful hearts, that puts us in a in a situation that when when God speaks to us, we can hear, and it may not be an audible voice. And some people have weird thoughts about when God speaks, but a lot of times it's just simply reading the Bible, and something stands out that as you're reading it, you're thinking, "Oh, that's what I needed," or "Wow, I really needed to be corrected on that," or something like that. And that's and so you realize that God wants to make a difference in my life. But that happens as you're reading the Bible or hearing the Bible or hanging around. Good people that encourage you to live right, and as we close here, you know where do you see yourself this morning? you know maybe maybe you 're still on the path to a grateful heart you 're outside the village maybe you 're wrestling with a problem that you realize there 's no solution to that you 've tried a lot of things maybe you're, you're, it could be a relationship, could be a physical ailment. I have no idea, but from From the leper's perspective, it was by chance that Jesus walked by. Hey, there's Jesus. Let's take this opportunity and cry out for help. From Jesus' perspective, it was not by chance. It was totally on purpose. And so in your life, you may think, oh, I just happened to come to church today. You think it's by chance. It's not by chance. And today, you're just like these lepers. You're crossing that path with Christ, and you have a great opportunity today to come to Christ in a way that and solve a problem in your life that maybe you've tried a lot of things. I have no idea. But consider that. Be open to that. And secondly, maybe you've, maybe you've responded like the leper. And you're right now, you're, you're happy about life. You're responding with a grateful heart. You're confident that when you go to God, you've surrendered your life, and you're happy about that. That's a great place to be in. Or maybe as I was preparing the sermon, I had to think about this, I thought, wow, you know what? I I really haven't stopped to think, think and thank a lot about what God's done for my life. And sometimes my heart's grown cold and I forgot to think, what has God done in my life? And to, to ponder that and think about that and keep my heart stirred up and think about what God's done. And the third area, maybe you're at today, hopefully, is maybe you're reaping the results of a grateful heart, because you have God's attention. People know you as a thankful person, because you're so thankful in your life. When people see you, you say, you know, that, that person is really thankful. Maybe that's you. That's great, because we can all get there, but maybe, maybe you are one of those people that you read your Bible, and, it, and the, the words just kind of jump off the page, because of your relationship with, with God is so good and so vibrant, and your heart is so thankful that it's as if Jesus was reading the Bible with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for doing so many things for us. And, and Lord, I pray that your word was clear this morning and, and you would help us to recognize where we are. If we're, if we're still on the path to a grateful heart or if we're responding with a grateful heart or we're reaping the results of a grateful heart, Thank you so much for this day and the opportunity and the people that came out today, in Jesus' name. Pastor.
0: Around this time of year, it's a great reminder to be grateful. If you and I look around culture and cities today, what's the biggest thing we notice? It's entitlement, isn't it? Everywhere, it just seems like people are entitled. You know, the biggest guard against entitlement is gratitude. If we would just say, I'm going to be thankful. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, I don't know if I have a lot to be thankful for. You know, people keep saying, hey, the top 1%, those 1%ers, they need to do their part. If you have a car, you're in the top 1%. If you make over $37,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. We have a lot to be grateful for. We have a lot to be grateful for. Well, we got one more speaker and Jacob Ibarra is getting ready. You pray for him. I shook his hand and I thought he had just washed his hand. He said, no, I'm nervous. I said, oh, okay, all right, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, just kidding, just kidding. But I am so excited to hear from Jacob. Uh, you're going to see, if you come Thursday night, you're going to hear more about the history of Southridge. But there was a, a difficult season that our church went through in the end of 2016. And I was at the point where I was contemplating if, if I was done. I was there, and and Jane and I, she was seven months pregnant. Something had happened, and we were just at that point. Where we were like, okay, is this it, God? Is this it? Is this? And if it is, okay, then it is. It's just done. It, we gave it our best shot. We gave it our go. And Jacob had just started coming to our church. He, I don't even think he had really started coming. He was just visiting, and he showed up. And he looked at me, and he said, God told me to tell you, you're the apple of his eye. I was like, man. Does he know what I'm going through? Because I needed to hear that in that moment, in that moment. And Jacob is one of those guys in your life that he will show up with a in-season word. And God will just give him a verse and he'll just lay it on you. And you're like, this guy's, how did he know? Has he been reading my mail this week? (laughs) I mean, what, how did he know that I needed that word? And uh, I know he's nervous, but. I do believe that God's got something to speak through him. So, Jacob, I know you were hoping Robert would go over time, but come on, brother.
2: All right. All right. <clears throat> all right. We're good? Everybody can hear me? I can hear me loud and clear. Um, first of all, I want to thank Pastor for... Uh, allowing me the privilege to stand at his pulpit and uh, allow to, uh, i thankful for God for allowing me to be in his word, to be ready in season for this moment. Uh, we don't want to be caught like the fig tree uh, when Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was walking through with the fig tree, wasn't producing any fruit and Jesus was hungry. He was hungry and wasn't producing any figs. The Bible tells us to be ready in season and out of season. So when he called me, I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> "Is nobody else? Yeah, 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 yeah." Um, uh, correction. So when I met uh, Makai, we were at a mutual friend's on October 11, 2016. We were at a mutual friend's uh, funeral. We were at a mutual friend's funeral, um, and he got up there and he preached a sermon about uh, Zacchaeus. When Jesus was walking through, and um, Zacchaeus was in the tree, and he says, uh, uh, come down. We're going to have dinner with you at your house today. Right? You remember that? You remember preaching that? He went on the spot too. No notes or nothing. He didn't even know he was going up that day. But he did. But that, that sermon forever changed the directory of my life. Forever. I learned something very important that day. Uh, very important that day. I feel like Aladdin on this rug. Um, <laughs> very important that day um, that he taught me that if I don't learn to develop my mind and my spirituality then I'm always going to be a slave to the person who does um, and that's when Jesus wanted to meet with me so at that moment I said hey where does he go where is he? even if I've never seen him again even if he never, never preaches another good message again that one changed my life uh, so hopefully you can you can Uh, You can kind of understand where I'm coming from with that. Uh, As I talk about Cornelius, um, Cornelius, the Bible says that he was giving to the poor all the time, that he worshiped God, and he called Peter, who had the Holy Spirit, to come over to him. And as soon as he seen Peter, he fell down and started worshiping him. And that's what, that, that's what he taught me that day is don't worship a man because I was always depending on what the pastor said, what how to live my life through what the pastor said and never met Jesus for myself. Uh, so I'm very thankful for that and grateful for that because uh, we're always looking for something to worship. We're always looking for something to, to put up on a pedestal. We're always looking for something to idolize. We're always looking for that. We're always looking for that. And that's not only us because the enemy in Jude 1-9, he was actually looking for the body of Moses. He said he was battling with the archangel over the body of Moses. And the angel told him, the Lord rebuke you. So he didn't even put up with him. He didn't put up with them at all. And his response was perfectly clear to him. But he knew that if he got that body, he can give it to the Israelites and they'll worship him. And they'll worship that. But Moses, God, hid, God buried Moses' body in the hills so then we're going to find them, uh, I believe for that reason, for that reason. we we'll get into those corner a little over already. Uh, so about that, let's get into, uh, I'm going to be in, uh, sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to be in Genesis, uh, Genesis 2, 3, I'm sorry, 3. Um, Um, Okay, so anyway, now the serpent was the most craftiest uh, animal that the Lord had made. Um, And when he was talking to Eve, he said, Eve, did God really command you not to eat of this tree? And the Bible says that the tree was in the midst of the garden, in the midst, surrounded by everything else, in the middle. What's your favorite fruit, Mr. Berry? Pizza. Favorite fruit?
1: fruit. Yeah. Tomato.
2: Oh. Uh, Tomato. Tomato. Rod? Uh,
1: an apple.
2: <laughs> an apple. There's like 40 different apples. <laughs> <laughs> Crispy apple. <laughs> Watermelon. Watermelon. Strawberries. 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 Okay, so I got through the second row, and there's there's already maybe 30 different kinds of fruits that they just mentioned. We haven't even got to vegetables yet. This is not your ordinary garden with your overgrown squash and your pickled cucumbers that you keep trying to grow. This is a garden that God <laughs> created. This is a garden that God created, and I haven't even got through the second row of the sanctuary yet to find out how far she had to unintentionally go to find that tree. It didn't just pop up out of nowhere. She had to... Go and look for it. And if she wasn't looking for it, she was unintentionally doing something bad if she wasn't intentionally doing something good. So we have to keep in mind that it wasn't just by accident. And he says to her, and she says, she brings herself to this. She says, the Bible says that she saw, she saw that the, uh, the fruit was pleasing to the eye. It was good for food. And it was able to make one wise. 1 John 2.16 tells us that. He says, the things of this world are the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Same three things. Same three things that got her down was the same three, same three things that convinced her to have that fall. To have that fall. She says, oh my, is it up there? And the part that gets me is that she says, I can't find it. Um, She says she bit and then she gave to her husband who was with her. Not on the other side of the garden, not on the other side of the river, who was with her. How many of us are sitting at home and letting these iPads run our kids' life, creeping in while we're with them? How many of us are sitting there watching our marriage go down while we're with her? How many, how many of us just sit there and just watch it? Just watch it. I've been told long ago there's three type of people. There's people that make things happen, people that watch things happen, and people don't know what happened. So he was probably the one that was watching it. He was probably the one that was watching it. Our job at this pulpit is to prepare you to prepare you to meet your maker, to prepare you for judgment day, because it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And there's a lot of people who know about that because when the believers are getting bodies that have no fear, no disease, no hurt, no more sorrow, no more pain, the unbeliever is gonna get a body that's gonna be falling in a bottomless pit and burning. God's gonna create a body for you that's gonna burn forever. And if you fall on the bottom of the for a million years, guess what, you've only just begun. You've only just begun. So think about that. Think about that when we think about gratitude because we have a lot of gratefulness that we have to express towards Jesus Christ for dying for our sins. And allowing that to come on, uh, to come on to us as the new covenant said, the old covenant's in. Exodus 20, the new covenant is in Hebrews 8, 10 through 12 where he says, I will put my spirit in their mind and in their hearts. He will put it in their mind and in their hearts. It's a new covenant. That's for us. That's for us. Exodus 32, uh, Moses, Moses, he was uh, uh, Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord. Aaron, Aaron was with the Israelites. They said, he's taking too long. He's taking too long up there. Let us make a gold calf to worship. So he said, get all the earrings, get everything, get all the earrings off your wives, get everything, and bring them over here. So the Bible says that he fashioned it. He's there, he fashioned that calf. God told him, Moses, go down there. These people, they're doing exactly what I commanded them not to do. Knowing that, he still walks down there and says, okay, well, after he, he, after he talked God, God out of killing all of them, God says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unleash my wrath on them. And he says, no. He says, no. Did you just, you want the Egyptians to say, hey, you brought them all the way over here to kill them in the wilderness? So he gets down there. He talks to Aaron. He's like, Aaron. What did you let them do to you? What did you let these people do to you? He was like, I don't know. They convinced me to throw all the gold in there, and then we threw it in the fire, and it just came out. It just came out like that. So he's probably one of the guys that are acting like he don't know. But let me tell you, church, that won't work with God face-to-face. Our job at this pulpit is to make sure that you are prepared and ready to meet your maker to meet your maker, David, David, if you zone out on me, it's okay, just think about bringing your dish, (laughs) David, he was known, the Bible says, as a man, after God's own heart, and the Bible also tells us that the heart is desperately wicked, desperately wicked, so, to have that want and desire to have God's heart is, is probably a good thing for him because what he does next, check this out. The Bible says, the Bible says, at a time when kings were supposed to be at war, David was on his balcony looking over, seen a woman. Had her come over, impregnated her, impregnated her, sent her back home. Her husband came home. He says, Hey, go spend time with your wife. He's trying to hide his sin, just like Eve was, just like Eve in the the garden when she was hiding from God. He was trying to hide his sin, hide his sin. He says, He was asleep at the gates, ready to go back to war. He couldn't go, he couldn't go back. He couldn't go back and hang out with his wife when there's a war going on. So, David sends him with the note saying, hey, put, put Uriah the Hittite in the front line to die by the uh, Amar, Amar, Amarites? Amorites, Amorites. Uh, so he takes it and he, and he gets killed. Now he's trying to cover up his sin just like Eve sowing the fig leaves and Adam, sowing the fig leaves, trying to cover up the sin now. So they're trying to cover it up. Well, the prophet, uh, the prophet Nathan, prophet Nathan comes up to him. He says, he says, um, he said, there was a rich man and a poor man. Rich man had everything. The poor man had one little lamb. He ate with him, slept with him. It was like his daughter, family. Nathan asks him, Nathan told him, then a traveler came by, and the rich man didn't touch none of his stuff, but he took that little old lamb that that that, that one poor man had, and he cut it up and gave it to the traveler to eat. David, the Bible says David was outraged He said he was outraged, he said, that man should die. That man should be dead, and he should pay for that lamb four times over. And Nathan said, good. That man is you. That man is you. And what happens next is is a perfect example of a, a heart of gratitude, I believe, because gratitude is probably the highest exercise of spirituality that we can practice in our everyday life. I know the gym guys are not going to like me for this, but in Timothy he says, "Exercise yourself towards godliness, because exercising the body profits little, but exercising yourself towards godliness profits for this life and the life to come." So, I mean, I know. <laughs> so that's that's what it tells us. So, what David says next? Uh, what David says next? is a heart of a repentance. He says what we all should be saying every single day instead of hiding and trying to cover up and trying to act like we don't know what's going on and trying to act like nothing's, uh, nothing's wrong and everything's okay. He says, I have sinned against God. Yeah. What would our life look like if every time we sinned, we said that? I've sinned against God. I've sinned against God. Remember, our job at the pulpit is to make sure that you are prepared to see your maker, to meet your maker. Peter, Peter says, be holy. And Peter, he says, be holy for your father is holy. James, be perfect for your father in heaven is perfect. Perfect, I hear like, oh no. That's impossible. But if I switch if if I pause a little bit, perfect, then it sounds easier because now I'm not perfect, now I'm trying to perfect something. And isn't that our God? Isn't he always making things better? Isn't he always perfecting things? Doesn't it doesn't it sound better when you say perfect? Does to me. Does to me. (laughs) Remember, so we have When we die, it's a nice background. Let me, let me, let me start over, right? <laughs> when we die, um, we got a we got a date. We got a birth date. We got a birth date. Uh, every time that birth date rolls around, normally, traditionally, we think I'm one year closer to death. I heard somebody say the other day, I got about 15 summers left. I'm not gonna say who it is. Uh, We got about 15 summers left. But little do we know, we don't know that other date. We don't know that other date. I know some of you are falling asleep right now, but that's okay because in Acts, there was a guy named Eutychus. He was sitting at the window and they said, Paul was preaching. He fell out the window and died <laughs> while the sermon was going on. So you can't think, oh, I'm in church and nothing to happen. No, <laughs> that happened. That happened. That happened. That happened. And so you think, okay, well, I'm going to do something good for God, but it better be in obedience. Disobedience doesn't work. Disobedience does not work. There's a guy, Uzzah. If I'm wrong, correct me. Uzzah? Uzzah. God has strict orders, strict orders to follow. When you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, it could only be from the Levites. It could only be from them. Gotta be from the rings, the two poles. And so the oxen, the Bible says the oxen stumbled and Uzzah went to catch it, dead. Helping God, helping God, but in disobedience. God does not condone in the believer, what he condemns in the unbeliever. So you can't say, oh, somebody say amen. Amen. All right. So he is not condoned in the believer what he condemns in the unbeliever. So on that date, on that tombstone, there's going to be a date there. And when people go and look at it, your loved ones, people who miss you, they're going to look. And they're going to see this little insignificant mark. And it's going to be a dash. It's going to be a dash. That dash is so insignificant, but it represents whatever kind of gratitude or attitude that you have in this life. That dash, when they look at it, be like, wow, that man, that woman, Showed me what the fear of God looked like. Showed me what the, what, the, what the obedience to God's word looks like. Or you want to be like the other people at the funerals, that you have to die to be a great man. Oh, he was a great man. But when he was alive, you didn't call, text, uh, email. Uh, you, you barely even knew he was alive until you got the call. So now you're like, oh, man, this man was a great man. Best man I ever knew. Or you can show people what the fear of God looks like. Um, so I know I said if you uh, zoned out, you could think about bringing your, uh, bringing your dish. But now I'm going to ask that you think about, when you leave here, about bringing your dash. Yeah. Bringing your dash with you. Mm-hmm. Somebody say mm-hmm. amen. Yeah. Bringing your dash with you. When you come in, bring your dash with you. What kind of dash are you leaving in your workplace? What kind of dash are you leaving in your home? What kind of dash are you leaving in your children? What kind of dash are you leaving unexpectedly? Because remember, if we're not doing something intentionally, we're often doing this unintentionally. And by the time we know we're supposed to go that way, and then we're stopped at a dead end, we're like, oh, I'm supposed to be over there. And by that time, it might be too late. We're not promised. We're not promised anything but a brand new body, but a brand new body. So, I had a couple more other things, but it looks like I'm a couple minutes over time. Um, (laughs) I know you got a race to run. Don't let anyone hinder you. Um, So, yeah, so, uh, if you're at that point where you're like Aaron, and you don't want to see what's going on, You don't want to know what's going on, but all along you're helping the disobedience. Or you want to be like Adam and just see what's going on, but ignore it. Or you want to be like David and repent right now while you have the chance. One more thing. At the end of Genesis, at the end of Genesis, God expresses himself and who he is and what he believes in. The Bible says, well, he cursed him. After he cursed him, he cursed the serpent, he cursed the woman, and then he cursed the man. He cursed the man because if we remember, Genesis 2, he gave the commandment to Adam, not to Eve. Adam, Eve wasn't even born, he gave it to Adam. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. He gave it to Adam after he cursed him. Our loving, kindness, infallible, no equal Father clothed them in animal skin, covered their sin. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, that your sins can't be forgiven. So could that have been an animal sacrifice that God did? Bible's not too clear, but where do you get the where do you get the animal skin? I know the serpent didn't talk to himself about skinning; he didn't talk him into skinning. <laughs> you know. So just remember, church. In closing, if if. Uh, Devil, if the devil can talk out, talk one third of the angels out of the glory, out of the presence of the glory of God, yeah. Yeah. then he, he can talk you into hell. So remember that uh, when you're bringing your dash. So, thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's all stand, please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. We don't just come to church just to hear something. We come to church because we want to do something in our hearts. I can change on the outward all I want and I can fake everybody here, but when I go home, when I'm around my kids, my spouse, when I'm with my close friend, family, they'll know. So we just give ourselves a moment just to pause and reflect. And I wanna pray for you because I believe a heart full of gratitude can stop affairs from happening. Because if you love and are grateful for your spouse, like we should be, there ain't no man or woman that can compare. I think greed and lust is because we're not content and grateful for what we have. I think the crime is because people are covetous. They want what somebody else has, not grateful for what they have. These all started out small sins, and it started out the lack of gratitude. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5: In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. If you wanna know God's will, God's will is for you to be grateful in everything. Give thanks. You say, I'm going through a hard time, give thanks. You say, you don't understand my world. You don't know what I'm going through. I, I don't, but God says, can you be grateful for it? Can you be thankful for the disease? Can you be thankful for the loss. Some of the most amazing people you and I will ever meet are the ones who know how to look back on their life and they will tell you, I don't wanna relive it, but I wouldn't change it because they're grateful for it. I wanna pray for you. And if you say, you know what, this morning, yeah, I could work on my gratitude. If that's you, can I just pray for you? See your hands as a confession. Oh, I see that. Amen. There you go. Hands up all over the room. Say, I want to be more grateful. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the fresh reminder about being grateful. Life is so short, it's summed up in a dash. And life really does, as we look back on it, feel like a dash. Just a short, short moment of time. And maybe we can live life differently. Maybe we can be grateful. Grateful for the traffic. Grateful for the crying babies. Thankful for the sleepless nights, the long hours. And maybe in it, we find that in the chaos that when we choose gratitude, it truly does change our attitude about it everything else so dismiss us with your blessing your grace, thank you so much for Jacob and Robert thank you for them being willing to bring a word pray that you'd bless them and Lord, all these hands that were raised, I just pray that we would have that attitude of gratitude and for all the guests that are here that don't know you, I pray that they would seek you out your word reminds us that those that diligently seek you will find you. So I pray that they would find you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Glad you came to church today? All right. Hey, God is good. God is great. Find somebody on your way out and say hello. Have a great day. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today.